Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. I'll do, the, I'll do this all during the show. <laughs> but it's fantastic. In the of and I'm Kevin David Tom. <laughs> and this and is Kevin's behind the curtain. All the time. Two forty-six. <laughs> living legends. I can't. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Broadway Curtain. Make sure to join our Facebook page, Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends, and follow us on Instagram at Broadway Curtain Podcast. Plus, you can always listen to all of our episodes, old and new, on the Broadway Podcast Network, iTunes, and Spotify. Today's guest is one of the res- most respected and celebrated artists working in the entertainment industry for over 60 years she has dazzled audiences with her talent intelligence fierce wit and deeply layered dramatic performances her broadway credits include cactus flower how now dow jones the goodbye people jake's people Woman, uh, The Odd Couple, Everybody Loves Opal, The Affair, Children from Their Games, just to name a couple. Uh, Her on-screen work, which has been rewarded with Emmy and Golden Globe wins, as well as an Oscar nomination, include Midnight Cowboy, Judgment, The Trial of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, Zorro, The Gay Blade, The Smurfs, Murder, She Wrote, You Don't Know Jack, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and of course, as Angela, Sophia's daughter-in-law in The Golden Girls. And this is not even a quarter of her credits, you guys. Oh my gosh, to tell us what it was like to work with such legends as Stubby K, Gene Hackman, A. Burroughs, Lauren Bacall, George Abbott, Mr. Abbott, Milton Burrow, Neil Simon, Al Pacino, Barbara Streisand, Dustin Hoffman, and so many more. Here is the one and only Brenda Vaccaro. Brenda, how are you today? I'm fine. <laughs> 246, but number one in our hearts. Number one in our hearts. Six guest. I'm so impressed. I really am. I'm glad I'm in the 200s. It's not the 500s, and I'd really be scared. <laughs> I we said to Brenda, we said we had Brenda I'd be is one of our listen to those credits. I thank God it's what they'd say when you die. <laughs> no. <laughs> What talk a, about you that way when you die, you know? <laughs> no, no, no. Like we and said to Brenda. list of everything you've done. And uh, Stubby K, I love the way you started with Stubby K. <laughs> Do you think anybody right? remembers Stubby K? Do you remember oh, Stubby yeah. K? Oh, you my God. Young. Well, I love him from we the Guys and Dolls K. movie. Guys uh, and Dolls. What's yes. that song he sang? Oh, uh, sit down, you're rocking the boat. Yeah, sit down, you're rocking the boat. Oh, God. He was something else. He was really an amazing guy, that one. He was light on his feet, like yeah. Jackie Gleason, you know, just like Jackie Gleason, just like Jackie Gleason, just like him. And as certainly is good, just yeah. really kind of Broadway, kind of a singer, kind of a 
uh, a music man, you know, where I didn't think Gleason was a music man. He was no. just a comedian of genius. But yeah. Stubby was, he was really a phenomenal character. He was. And okay. I just love that you started out with his name, <laughs> Stubby K. <King. laughs> That's, That's a, like what? 249. <laughs> 46. I mean, oh God, we got to tell the audience, you know, they said we have 246 <laughs> guests. And I said, Jesus Christ, you mean I'm 246 <laughs> guests? Oh my God, where have I been? Nope. I, 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 <laughs> anyway, once, guys, go ahead, ask me, ask well, me. And as we said to Brenda beforehand, Brenda is one of our younger guests on the spectrum. Oh so, my God. So we had to we had to prioritize. We had to prioritize. Right. Oh my You're God. You're well forgiven. You're well Thank forgiven. you. Thank you. Keep going. So when when we asked Brenda to be on this show, Brenda, you sent me an email and what it listed that? all these incredible performances that you got to see as a theater goer. Yeah, you mentioned yeah. Lunton Fontaine and uh, the bad the, the, scene. The visit, the visit. The, you remember that? Yeah, tell mm. tell us a little bit about some of the most memorable performances you saw as an audience member. Well, my mother loved the theater, and my mother took me to the theater all the time. And I don't think I really realized what I was seeing, but then as time went on, I began to realize. That number one, I loved going to the theater. And number two, that I was seeing some amazing things. And that my mother would tell me, that this is Burt Lahr. You know, I saw Burt Lahr on Broadway. I can't remember the name of the show. God. Two on the Isle, maybe? Yeah. Oh, God. I guess my mind's just ready to do this. Anyway, he was just incredible. Yes, two on the Isle. Yep. And, you know, and so my mom would say during the bad seed, that's Nancy Kelly. I mean, she kept me aware of different people, even that's Eileen Heckard in the drunk scene. And she was oh. brilliant. And I remember being mesmerized by her performance and how she did a drunk person just with her voice. You know what I mean? Tell yeah. me, did, what did he say? What did, did he say? Anything? But she was so brilliant. I remember as a young kid, I just couldn't get my eyes off of her. And, uh, mm. you know, I saw some extraordinary performances I think Lunt and Fontaine mesmerized me the most. I, I I couldn't get over them, her sitting backstage on a chair all during the play. Never moved. Never moved. She's like a piece of ice. And he had to actually mime a vomit at oh. some point in the play. You know how you remember these visual things? Yeah, you just yeah. remember yeah. moments and, you know, because I really wasn't savvy. I really yeah. hadn't read the plays beforehand. And so I just remember these amazing, amazing moments, you know, and uh, he was brilliant. The two of them were magnificent, you know, but these were things that were on Broadway at the time. And uh, I'll tell you, one of the best things was West Side Story, because Jessica Walter, Liz Ashley, myself, Dabney Coleman, James Kahn, we would run over to the theater. At, for the beginning of the second act and beg the usherettes in those days, things were a lot looser and a lot more romantic in their way. And we'd beg them. Not all of us came at once. It would maybe be me and Jessica and Liz or me and Serena and, and Jessica. You know, it wasn't everybody all at once. Yeah. And or me and Jimmy. And we would go and ask the usher, can we see the second act? And she'd say, all right, stand in the back and be quiet. <laughs> and I would like, okay, no problem. And we'd get to stand there and watch the second act of West Side Story. Uh, I mean, th- there were moments that were just like, you know, and we would like go maybe two nights, three nights in a row 
you know, and take advantage of the yes from the usherettes because some of them were different than it. Who are you? Well, we yeah. come and they say, yes, it's okay. All right, go on, go on. You know, they'd mm. let you in. They'd let you in. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah. So now jealous. Now you couldn't yeah. get it on the turn of a dime, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah, they right. were just, ma- the theater was magical. Kim Stanley in touch of a poet. You know, she walked off the stage. Mm. You know that Eric Portman kept, no. kept hitting her every night in the breast. What? No, I don't and know. And Helen this. Hayes was in the play. Well, this was Kim telling me this. And she said, I told him, stop hitting me in the breast. You know, as he would talk. And he would say something, and I imagine it was an explanation. Uh, it was an exclamatory kind of remark. Boom! He would, his arm would go out, and he'd hit her in the breast. She began to think that it was, uh, you know, on purpose. And so, right, she said to him, "Don't do it again. If you do it again, I'm walking off the stage. I will not do this play." She told me this story. That's why I know it's true. <laughs> and Helen Hayes was on the stage with her dear little Helen Hayes. She must have been in shock with Kim. Because Kim was so emotional and passionate and, you know, she must have gone, right. oh, my God, this woman was so different than Helen Hayes. <laughs> anyway, she was brilliant in the play, but he hit her in the breast and she went, <gasps> she gulped air. She turned it to her right and walked off the stage, stage right. She walked. She Good, for her. Good for her. Yeah. And I think E.G. Marshall did that with Plaza Suite. Something happened he didn't like and he walked off the stage. They walk out the back door and that's it. You don't hear about those stories much because it's infamous to do that. Yeah. And, you know, it's really not. (laughs) You've got a contract, people. You know, but it it were very dramatic stories, very dramatic stories. You know, I mean, I remember hearing uh, uh, George C. Scott. I can't remember the play he did, but he literally broke the neck of a dog, miming it on stage, on his knees. And a lot of the people in the audience got up and left because they thought they heard the crack of the bones of the neck of the dog. I mean, it was like so mesmerizing, you know, right. and how George had that insane kind of little part of himself that was violent, you know, that you couldn't, you never knew when this was going to crap up, yeah. you know? And uh, I remember I was walking down the aisle once while they were rehearsing Three Sisters, Lee Strasberg's production and Sandy Dennis was in it playing Irina. And I had on Sandy Dennis's dress, which was a nice little purple thing, you know, a crepe of the day. And it was sort of princess style, you know, right under the the, the breast, there were pleats and the rest was a round Mm -hmm. neck. And so I rather liked it, big arms, you know, (laughs) lovely sleeves. And as I walked down the aisle, he was sitting in like fourth row aisle. And as I walked down, she said, I hate that dress on you. And I went, oh, my God. You know, these things would come out of him that showed the kind of inner turmoil or, you know, the anger, the anger. Yeah. Yeah. And the passion and the impossible Mm. part of him to get through to him about anything. I mean, I think he took, I think it was at Maureen Stapleton. Yes, he took her mink coat in Plaza Suite and stuffed it down the toilet. And she said, I really didn't mind. I, I just didn't know what to tell the furrier. <laughs> now, these are from the mouths of those people. This is not me making it up, folks. I, I wouldn't dare make it up. You know what I mean? The thing that's rich in me is that I was on the tail end of the most brilliant part of the theater. That was 58, 59, 60, 61. You know, those, there were still these great plays being done, these brilliant actors. 
you know, you, you, you couldn't move. You couldn't move. Herb Gardner told me he was selling popcorn. You know, they go up and down the aisles and sell lemonade or whatever in those days. Yeah. And, and Death of a Salesman, he said, after the play, the curtain came down after the last act, the audience just sat there. They'd never seen anything like it in their yeah. lives. You know, so uh, not only did the plays change, not only did the writers, uh, you know, appear in the theater and you go, who is that? That's Arthur Miller. You know, I mean, yeah, it was just the most momentous time in the theater. And these actors were glorious. Geraldine Page and the three sisters. Name them, name them. I mean, it just went on and on and on. And uh, I guess my mind is fresh today for, for memories, yes. but I knew them all because I was there yeah. and there were just some extraordinary people in the theater and it was just extraordinary times. And you saw amazing theater, amazing. Nothing was, I mean, I don't remember things closing because they were flops. I don't remember flops. Where did you get your training, Brenda? At the Neighborhood Playhouse School of the Theater. I told my father, I'm not going to college. He almost fell off his chair. And... <laughs> An Italian immigrant came here in 1905. He ended up with a scholarship at NYU to go to law school. My name is Brenda Buell Vaccaro because Dean Munn Buell put him through college. Can you imagine? He said, you're giving up four years of college, that free time. You'll never have this time again. And I said, but, but I know where I'm going. I know what I want to do. He said, yeah, what is it? I said, I want to go to the theater. I want to go to Broadway. I want to be on the stage. He went, oh, my God. <laughs> Just like a, a scholarly father would say. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it's Brenda. Why did my daughter pick the one thing that'll probably constantly disappoint her? You know, when you go to college, you have knowledge. It's four years. You can put it under your belt. No one ever takes it away from you. What's wrong with you? I said, because I know where I'm going. You know that yeah. song, I know where I'm going. I really did. Yeah. I really did. And so I went from, well, I think, 1958, 59, 60, 61, graduated. And yeah. then I was in the theater a year later. Tell us what the Neighborhood Playhouse was like. It was great. Of course, uh, Sandy Meisner wasn't there. We had David Pressman, who left Boston University and came down to run, uh, you know, to be the lead man there, the lead teacher. The only problem with him was he was a darling man, but he cried at everything you did. So <laughs> I don't know how much so much I learned. I certainly learned I could manipulate him <laughs> on the stage. I, I want him on the front row. <laughs> um, but he was a darling man and he was very helpful and supportive and loving. And everybody loved him. He was a gracious man. And I think we were very lucky not to have Sanford Meisner because I hear he was right. He had an acid tongue and could destroy you in a minute. And, you know, probably a great teacher. But I saw Strasburg. I was at the actor's studio all the time. Oh, yeah. And I sat up in the, in the uh, you know, up um, high upstairs and uh, in the second floor. And I would watch all the performances and I'd listen to him talk. He wasn't nice either sometimes. Yeah. You know, he could destroy an actor in two minutes. So, you know, I guess I really got by very easily and it was I had Sidney Pollock. He had just gotten out of the military. I don't know what, what he was, just a soldier. And he came in to teach and take some classes. And he was magnificent. I did Waiting for Lefty by Clifford Odetson. He said, now that's the kind of performances we're looking for. Wow. I'll never forget that compliment. Wow, yeah, no, that's... You know, I'll never forget it. And there was just wonderful, 
wonderful experiences there because we had a really great class. Jimmy, James Gong, Dabney Coleman, Liz Ashley, me, Jessica Walter. I'm trying to think who else. It was just a great class of people. You know, yeah. Tony Ponzini. I mean, they just went on and on. Uh, Joe, Joe Della Sorte. I mean, you know, years later, I'd see Joe Della Sorte in The Godfather, you know, as the car came, he opened the door for somebody. Yeah. And I'd go, that's Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so we were all very close. And one of the things that was so romantic and fabulous and, and magical, we would all... Um, the group that we became friends in the second year, we would all come to my apartment or somebody else's apartment. And we'd stay up till like three in the morning doing improvs, <laughs> improvisations. And Classic. I remember one night my Aunt Marge came home from a party. She'd had quite a few scotches. She said, oh my God, do I sit and watch this? I said, no, you don't have to, Aunt Marge. She said, for crying's sake, how many of you here? And I think there was about 10 of us, you know, all doing improvs one after the other, talking about them, designing them. And, you know, so everybody was in love with what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just think that period of time, it, it had its magic. It really did. Brenda, what's your process as an artist? So you, you get a script, you agree to do the role. Well, first of all, let me go back. Do you like auditioning? Do you like the process of auditioning or not so much? Yeah. I try to tell everybody there's no such thing as rejection. They just went another way. Mm. And it doesn't mean mm -hmm. anything about you that you have to have find as a negative thing. It's just a process of your work. So here, if you go in and you have a good time and you do the best you could in every sense of the word, you put in the work, you thought about the character, you thought what they'd walk like, what they'd wear, what their hair was. You just imagine it and you, you live within it for a while and you do the best job you can have and you have fun. You walk away with something that doesn't make you sad. It makes you hopeful, you know, and every bit of work that you do in an audition means that you as an actor have garnered some more work about who you are and what you can do and what you're capable of. You know, you can't be negative about it. It's, you know, some people get so depressed. They say, no, 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 no. That's really the wrong road to travel down. You didn't get turned down and you didn't get rejected. You know, yeah. so, I mean, I hope a lot of them listen to me about that because that's really important. You know, I have yeah. a good time when I go and I have to audition. I have a good time. If they don't like me, that's just too goddamn bad because I had a good time. Yeah, good, healthy, <laughs> and healthy. I, and if I nail it, I go, I nailed it. Yeah. You know what <laughs> I mean? And I know I did. I know I did. Yeah. And it's it's fair if the director goes a different way. It's fair if he says... um, look, I want this and I want that. And, and uh, he doesn't think I gave it to him. I accept that and we move on. That's all, you know, but I, I, I know in my heart if I've nailed it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Now what's your process? So let's say you take the role on, how do you create the character? Rehearse, <laughs> rehearse and immerse yourself in it and think about it. Go over your lines, you know, um, I went out with Glenda Jackson to see a play. I can't remember the name of it while she was here. And I sat next to her and she, her head was lowered at one point. And I heard her going over her lines for King Lear. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's that you immerse yourself and it's your life. It's just what you feel, what you think about, what you're, you know, what you're motivated by. Uh, you're thinking about the character all the time. You're walking down the street, you see somebody in an outfit or a color 
or a walk and you go, Oh my yeah. God, there's a walk. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You see what I mean? So there's never a minute that you're not captive, not captivating or capturing. Yeah. That's the word capturing the character. Do you like table work? Do you like sitting around talking about it? Or do you like to just get up and do it and see what happens? Well, I mean, I don't like to talk about it that, that much, yeah. but I can, you know, I mean, I can, if it's part of a process and, and the director and the actors want it, I can, I just like to get up and do it. I like yep. to practice it, Yep. you know, and see what the other actor is, uh, is offering me because that's very important too in building a character you know what I mean? And just knowing what you're going to do with your performance has to do a lot too with what the act, other actors giving you because you have to watch them and see what their, what their character is and how, what they're giving you. Do you understand what I mean? What they're giving you, because that may alter what you have, what you have to give back. Yeah. Who have been some of your favorite scene partners? Hmm. Al. (laughs) Pacino. Love acting with my Al Pacino. Love it. Uh, Robert Mitchum was divine. I just, he didn't act. He just was. Oh, wow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he had a photographic memory. He didn't have to study huh. lines. He just looked at him once. I don't know. The man was an amazing creature. And uh, I just loved the way he had such high regard for the rehearsal high regard and patience with all the actors. Uh, He was a great David Lean fan, so he would regale in stories about David and imitate David's voice, David Lean. And he just loved acting, you know? And he would uh, always be supportive and say, the first time I met him and I did a scene with him, he said, I had to hold his arm and he said, are you nervous? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, you say that like that's okay. I said, it's okay. <laughs> he said, well, okay, then I'm nervous too. <laughs> so, I mean, we just, he was an actor first and foremost. What can I say? I adored him. And I had great time with him. And mostly I've enjoyed a lot of people, you know, Ben Gazzara, yeah. Harry Gordino, um, you know, at Universal, I worked with those guys a lot. They were wonderful. Uh, actors are wonderful. Yeah. If they're good, they're wonderful people. You, you know, they kind of seem to understand everything, you know. I don't have it going today. Oh, I understand. I know how you feel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. They're kind of with you. You know, we got the same instrument going. And what do you look for out of a director? Oh, I'll give you a great story. Yeah. Barry Levinson is the one of the best directors I ever worked with. I adore, adore them. I do. And I think about him all the time. I miss him. I wish I could work with him every day. <laughs> He's just wonderful. Um, I was playing the sister of Al, Dr. Kevorkian, and I was the sister. And she loses her job because of Jack Kevorkian. And so she comes home. She's in a car. And what I did was on my own choice i uh i didn't talk to barry about this but he was the type that didn't care he just you know whatever you wanted to do and i ran into a bunch of trash cans outside in front of my my house in anger put it up put it in in you know in and uh right and what do you call it well anyway stopped the car i got out i walked up the steps and opened the door and closed it that was the shot 
So he came to me and he says, you know, I, I'm very interested in what you did. I love the choice. I think it's great. May I make a suggestion? I mean, this is the way a director should talk, you know? And he said, because I was just watching how wonderful your anger was that you lost your job. And he said, I just wonder, what do you think about if you come back, just put the car, you know, in reverse or not? What is it when you stop a car? Well, you know, put it, yeah. stop the car. You stop it, break it. Get, yeah. out, get out and go kick the shit out of the trash can. You know, just kick them, kick them. And I said, that's, yeah, oh, okay. No, that's great. That's great. He said, you know why? What I'm thinking is the other way the audience might think you're drunk. And this way, we know you're not. We know you're mad. See, now this is a director who watches what you have to give, is, thinks it's very good and comes up with an idea that coordinates with that, but is a bit better. And you know why? Because he's right. You know, why leave yeah. the audience thinking maybe you've had too much to drink because you run into the trash <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. This yes. is a great director. Not only that, he would always, um, I remember one director told me that he saw a tattoo one day on an actor's neck. He came in with it and he went up to the actor and he said, I don't think so. He pointed to it. And the actor said, I do think so. And I remember the director saying this, it lingered in my mind for a while. And I thought to myself, ah, okay. You see, Barry would never have done that. Barry would have come up and said, you know, that's very interesting. I see you've done this tattoo here. What does it mean? What are you thinking? What's it about? Do you know what I mean? He would be yeah, interested yeah, yeah. in not, not have an opinion on it. I don't think so. You know, like, I don't like it. Take it off. So the actor had every right to say, I do think so. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. if you understand the difference, then you understand what I mean, you know? And I don't know if you saw... Uh, you know, you don't know Jack, but the last scene between me and Al Pacino was all not rehearsed, what? Oh. not rehearsed. I mean, I, I got a call from oh. him when we were, yeah, we were in uh, Michigan, Flint, Michigan, to pick up some scenes there. And we were going to go to Bob's Big Boy to shoot the scene where they had their major big argument. And so 11 o'clock, I get a call from Al. I'm downstairs in the hotel. Come down, let's rehearse the scene. He didn't really like the scene. I had found out from my reading that in a book that the, he and his sister had a terrible argument over the daughter of the sister. And, uh, you know, the, the check that the sister had, the daughter had paid some bill. That was what they, that was the money trail, the, the paper trail to Jack, why they were, they finally arrested him anyway. So I asked Barry, should we do this scene? I mean, my last scene is like not very important. I mean, and the truth is they didn't talk for six months and then she died, you know? Oh, yeah. So I had some truth in my hands there. Barry read what I found in the book. He said, Al, read this. I think we had two days with Barry and Al, each actor. And so Al read it and he said, yeah, we got to do this scene. So anyway, this was it. So I go downstairs and we start to rehearse the scene. He'd ordered dinner. And the whole bar was looking at us. I said, Al, <laughs> they're looking at us. I think uh, he went, oh, yeah, okay. So we didn't get through it, which was interesting. Okay. So in the morning, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. He said, you know, the thing, the scene's a little thin. And I said, yeah, I understand. I know. He had said that to me the night before. Anyway, I go downstairs. It's 8 in the morning. I'm off camera with him. We're standing there. And he said, we're off script, right? And I went, what? He said, we're off the script. Is that okay by you? 
And I said, yeah, okay. I mean, didn't scare me. I did enough improvs in my improv, life. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, man, I'm, I'm ready. I'll go. So <laughs> I get sitting down and he's there and we went and I don't even, you know what I mean? It just, yeah. it, it was like a, you're on a Persian rug and you're up going like in the skies. Zoo, 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 zoo. We just sailed higher and higher. And I didn't know where we were going and I didn't know where we were going to land. I just knew we were brilliant. I just yep. it was perfect acting. You know, it was just, I even could hear my Aunt Marge in my ear. What about me? What about my life? Nobody gives a shit about my life. You know, I could hear Aunt Marge screaming, uh, you know, and me having this vacant look, I couldn't help her, yeah. you know, but that's how I got to that point. <laughs> Wow. And it was just flowing. It was flowing. And Barry let it go. He wouldn't touch it. He didn't say print, cut, you know, nothing. He knew something magical was happening. So he he let it go. I got up and walked out on the seat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Al just turned. I think he looked kind of at Barry. He said, where's she going? Because you couldn't go <laughs> out the door. If you touched the door, the alarm went off. You know, so... <laughs> That's incredible. It had its its magic and Mm. I'll never forget it. And, and so do I love acting with Al? I'd give, I would act with him any day because he goes with the magic and he knows how to make magic, you know? Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about Lauren Bacall and Cactus Flower, which was a a big, a big moment in your career. God bless her. Um, She was a tough cookie, but yeah. I really loved her. It was hard to love her, but mm-hmm. I really did like her gumption and her courage. And every night she did her voice exercises, you'd hear them, ma, 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 And I'd go, oh my God, <laughs> not again. <laughs> but she was a diligent, hardworking actress and she had respect and she had a lot of nerves about you know, doing cactus flower, but she was just a very difficult woman. I mean, she was, she once said, as I was doing the Barbra Streisand movie, she was and I were in the, in the makeup room all alone and the makeup girls were working on us, but we were at a great distance from each other. She said to the makeup girl, I came in this world a monster and I'm going out a monster. And I leaned forward and I said, well, at least you know it. And, <laughs> and she said to me, you keep quiet, bitch, you know, so we we had oh. our tumbles. We did indeed. And um, yeah. it, 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 my most phenomenal moment with her, well, there were a couple, but this one, the stage manager comes upstairs to the second floor and he said, Brenda, I'm really sorry to have to do this. I said, what? What is it? And he was an older chap, very sweet. And he said, well, <clears throat> I've gotten a complaint from Betty that you have to stop going, uh, er, up, what? Uh, what? She said, she said, you're doing a lot of these sounds and, and er, up, dip. I said, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, well, you got to stop mumbling during lines or after the line. Just, I said, you know what? You know what? Just leave my dressing room. I'll go and talk to her about this. So the play was over. I mean, just to remember this makes me so mad. So I went storming downstairs and I had something to say to her. 
And I yeah. opened the door and there was Vivian Lee leaving her dressing room. And I went, ah, and Vivian Lee's eyes, she was so drunk. Uh, hello, I'm sorry. You know, she was so drunk. And she was just leaving her room. She probably had seen the plane and went back to tell her hello. And I walked in and she was in the mirror looking at me. And I said, listen, some people in the theater can tell me what to do. And some can't. You're one of them who can't. Okay, just remember that. I don't want to hear your fucking notes. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> and she just like, you know something? And I said, no, I don't know anything that you have to tell me. And I walked out. She didn't talk. We didn't talk for about two months. And then one day I was walking up the stairs and she hit me on my, my arm with her back and said, don't you say hello, bitch. <laughs> so I said, oh, yeah, hi. <laughs> And then we were fine for a while, you know, but, but she was a great girl in so many ways. She was a really sturdy, uh, handsome, handsome, you know, I, I said, she's a female alpha. Yep. Yeah. The one guy that's writing a book about her said, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard about her. Female alpha. Oh, one of the great moments was a Burroughs who blinks his eye. We were in Philadelphia. He takes me for a walk. He comes and picks me up at the hotel and he's taking me for a walk. He said, I got to tell you something. He said, we're in trouble here. I said, why? He said, well, you're walking away with the show, just like Bobby Morse did in the last show I did with him. You know, well, we can't have this. I can't go to Broadway with Lauren Bacall. And, 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 and you've got the show in your hands. I mean, you're walking away with the show. We got we to gotta tone you down. I said, what? He said, we got to. I can't go into Broadway like this with, with Lauren Bacall. This is her first Broadway show. I said, this is not my problem, Abe. And he looked at me and said, hey, honey. I'm telling you now, we got to tone it down. You know, when you're behind Barry Nelson and you're chop, 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 you know, that thing. You, that's my business. I thought that up. He said, I know, but you can't, you can't do it. We got to take it out. What? And then he mentioned some other moments. You just got to tone it down. You know, he said, I'm a little concerned that, you know, it's, it's not going to be good for her. And I got to take care of her. And I said, no, <laughs> I don't know where I had the hoods, but I'm telling you right now, that's a Burroughs. Guys, what? I said, ah, no, no. And he Good. stopped and looked at me and said, Brenda, I'm sorry. I'm going to, I said, absolutely not. I refuse. And that was the last time we talked about it. He never, ever toned it down. He never did anything. He just always, when he saw me left, he says, Hey, you know what? Hey, cause I did. I would do improvs for him, you know, like doing rehearsals before we opened. I was always doing improvs. He said, hey, kid, you did good today. You said at least two of my lines. (laughs) (laughs) I adored him. He adored me. I just I refused to change my performance for her. Yeah, good. I just it was instinctive. It was just no. You know what I mean? And I mean, he could have fired me just too much as sweetheart. But he certainly could have let me go. Hello, this is Audrey Hepburn. Welcome to Crackertown Dinner Theater and Grill. Audrey Hepburn, this is Ann Miller here, and I'm disgusted. What are you doing in a place like this? It's all I could get. I didn't know about Patreon.com. I didn't know you could go there to set up a monthly donation to keep going. Well, the boys at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's living legends, like me, 
They know, and their listeners do too. They go there and set up a donation, and they donate all they can. Oh, Patreon, it's wonderful, but will you be having the prime rib or the chicken? I'll be having Patreon. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You know, you, you mentioned someone a little bit earlier I'd love to talk about because she doesn't come up that much on the podcast, and that's Sandy Dennis. What was your relationship with, with the great Sandy Dennis like? She was my best friend ever. Yeah. Ever. Oh. I loved her. Oh. Yeah. She was, uh, she died way too early. She was a great girl, a very original actress. A lot of people didn't understand her, but I did. And oh. any Wednesday was, uh, you remember Walter Kerr's review? Let me tell you about Sandy Dennis. Every home ought to have one. <laughs> yes. That was the opening line that made her a star. She was just great in any Wednesday with Gene Hackman. She was breathtaking. And there was this whole personality, how she would like, go, you know, I don't even know how she came up with the way she would react to things. Her eyes would close, they'd, close, they'd flutter. Well, I, 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 you know, she was just an amazing original, you know, yeah. and she was my best friend. We met each other at an actor studio thing and, and she said, you had on this really awful gray V-neck man sweater and, bra- and, and, and gray pants, le- brown le- uh, gray wool pants. It was winter. And I, and I said, oh, yeah. She said, I said, I looked at you and I said, she's going to be my best friend. <laughs> oh. You know, and she yeah. was from Hastings, Nebraska. She was a real Willa Cather girl. Yeah. You know, she was yeah. a real okay. Nebraska baby. Yeah. But I loved her. I thought she was great. Great fun. Saw her in every place she did. She was wonderful in uh, Three Sisters. Very different. Very different. The way she said to Moscow, to Moscow, was so original. She lost her breath. You know, she said Moscow. Moscow. She was just so fantastic. You know, original. I love that. So, I mean, Madeline Kahn was the same thing. You know, uh, Sir George Abbott, oh, God, talk about Hannah Dodd Jones. He was, he, he fired Madeline Kahn. What? He fired Madeline Kahn because he didn't understand her. You know, he told me, you use your hands too much. You know, he was like, I walked off the stage. I was insulted. <laughs> Who are you? I said, I. I'm one of the stars in the musical. Oh, all right. Stand over there, please. He was, they fired Arthur Penn and they hired George Abbott. This was David Merrick. This was the Merrick days. Uh, What was David Merrick like? His eyes got really squirrely 
and he was, I don't know who he was, what he was. He was smart as a whip. Um, he was a great producer, but he was a really strange guy. That's all I, you know, <laughs> strange taste. And at other times he astounded you with how right he was, you know, but, uh, uh, he wasn't as mean as Scott Rudin. I hear Scott Rudin's really mean. <laughs> yeah, we I don't do. know Scott. He's always been polite to me. But David had that same kind of I rule, you know, and he was really producing almost everything on Broadway. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the How Now Dow Jones experience? I loved it. I had the best time. I was just in love with music. I had great time. And that was, a, I love the music. I love the music. And I loved being in a musical, you know. The only thing was Arthur Penn was directing it. And, you know, then they fired Arthur. And they got uh. Sir George Abbott. So, I mean, I think they thought the show was in trouble. And maybe Arthur, they didn't think he was the right director. We all were really sad that Arthur Penn was fired. And then George Abbott couldn't come in right away. And so Arthur was there still directing when he knew he was going to be fired. And, oh, oh God, it was just a very interesting, you know, that thing where everybody's out of town and everybody gets nervous and they all turn in in a circle, producers included, and they point to somebody and say, hey, you're fired. They just start firing people, you know. I think they fired Jillian Lynn and brought in Michael Bennett. And I had a song called He's Here. And uh, I, the first night it happened, I'll tell you this, this is, you, there's always time to learn, right? I, right. <laughs> the audience started applauding and I, I stopped. I was shocked, you know, cause I'm supposed to have a line and oh my God, he's here. End of song. And they start applauding. So that they wouldn't stop. And so the guy raises his hands to do something. And I didn't, I didn't realize this has never happened to me. So I started thanking the audience. I went, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Well, George Abbott comes storming down that back hallway and the door he opens, he says, don't you ever thank the audience again. Do you never do that? Do you understand me? What did you do? Don't you know? Not you don't thank the audience. You go into a reprise. That's it. He said, don't you ever do that again. You got, that's the first rule of the theater. I went, Oh my God. You know, he really was mad at me. Like I should have known it, probably should have known it, you know, but you just have to stand there and wait. And then the orchestra starts and you sing a reprise, you know, we all learn. That's the way those are the lessons that you learn. (laughs) But, and he used to call me Miss Neurotic because I wanted to change my costumes here and there. You know, every time I wanted to change his costume. Yes, Miss Neurotic. (laughs) Oh my God. And I was walking through the commons with him once. And he was, what is he, 82 at the time? (laughs) And we're walking out of the Ritz-Carlton. And he's talking to me about, I don't remember what. And then all of a sudden I stopped. I said, you got to tell me something. I have to know this. How did you get, get through this all these years? And you're still doing it. He said, you want to know how I did it? What? I said, yeah, I do. I'm asking you. So he looked at me and said, I never really cared about anything. <laughs> well, my, the hair on the back oh. of my neck went up because I care about everything. Wow. You know, I yeah. care about a spider in my sink that I have to push all the way up so he doesn't get, yep. he doesn't die with the water because I got to brush my teeth. So, yep. I mean, I, I can't believe he said that. I never, I never got involved in anything. 
Maybe that was it too. I think maybe that I never got that involved in anything. What a philosophy. What a life philosophy. You know, and those twinkly blue eyes that he had. And Maureen Stapleton was madly in love with him. Oh, she really? Had a huge affair. She would leave the play on the weekends and take a car up there to be with him. Oh, yeah. And Norma Crane was in a play then. And she said, remember Norma Crane? Yeah. Yeah, Norma Crane said, oh, well, I hope you enjoy all 10 minutes of it. <laughs> he was so old. <laughs> 20 minutes. I hope you enjoy all 20 minutes of it. <laughs> But, you know, she Maureen just thought he made me feel like a woman again. It's oh. unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Mm. Maureen was madly love in love with him. You know, the these pain. are the lessons that we these are the lessons that we learn and how we learn them, which are so sweet. You know, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have changed anything. Not anything. Yeah. Not even Lee Strasberg. Somebody said when I was at his house once, we always used to go to that apartment on Sundays. And somebody said to him, I remember in the doorway of the kitchen, they said, does she study with you? And Nick Lee said, oh, she doesn't need me. He said, she's a natural actress. She oh. doesn't need me. And that was the, that was the great compliment I got from Lee Strasberg. And meanwhile, I did not study with him. Wow. He could be very sharp. He could be very, yeah. you know, you had to be careful with him. Woo. He could be mean. <laughs> what a, you know, what a, actors are delicate creatures. And there were times where these teachers the ones that I met could be very harsh, you know, one mm -hmm. slash and yeah. the actor could be ruined for, you know, for the day or the month or whatever. I don't know, but it's like, I didn't, I wasn't sorry that I missed out on that. I'm so curious. What was it like working with Milton Berle on, on the goodbye people and Herb Gardner, the great Herb Gardner. Uh, I was in love with Herb Gardner for years. Oh, really? really? Oh Yeah. Oh with my that, God. I with that writing, it. it makes sense. Yeah. It's right. He was a poet, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh my God. He was great. Um, Milton Burl was like, a, he was, a, he was a lesson. Let me tell you, because I mean, he, I think he was very insecure in the part. I think Walter Matthau came backstage and let him have it. He, he did. He wasn't complimentary. I could hear through the walls. What? Wow. Uh, well, because Milton didn't really have his hands on. He didn't really have his, do you know what I mean? He yeah. wasn't an actor, number one. Number two, he didn't really have his hands on the part. You know, he didn't really know who the guy was. And I think he was struggling with it. He was insecure. He was nervous, you know. And uh, Walter came back and said, what's with the accent? You don't have it. Either you have it or you don't have it. But don't, you know, I could hear him doing things like that and criticizing his performance you know, Silverman, you're Silverman or you're not Silverman. What are you, you know, make up your mind how you're going to talk with. He was giving him some pointers, but he wasn't really nice about it. Wow. Mathau that was because yeah. he came to see the performance out of town, I guess. You know, but he was, he, one night he did this to me and he said, I, he said a line to me. I said a line back. He turns around and he walks all the way backstage, upstage. And I looked and I said, hey, Pop, what are you doing? And he just looked at me. So I walked upstage where he was and I delivered my line. Yeah. I was furious. I couldn't yeah. believe he did that to me. He upstaged me. Oh, like in the worst way. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I don't even remember if I brought it up to him. I, don't, I just remember being really shocked and not liking mm -hmm. him for that, you know. Uh, 
there wasn't any kind of momentous occasion with him except years later when I saw him in a restaurant, Mateo's in, uh, in LA, he had us, he's sitting with a bunch of people. He said, this one's really funny. This one's funny. She knows funny. And I thought, ah, the way you treated me on stage, I would never have known that. <laughs> you know, he was very self-centered. You know, he was, I just think it was really insecurity with him. He knew that part was too big for him. You yeah. know, it really commanded a great actor. You know, and he just, I don't know, he couldn't, I don't think he ever mastered it, but we got through it. And I love the play. It's it's a it's a beautiful play. And for our listeners, if you haven't read it, please pick up a copy. You know, oh, Brett, it's so great. Yeah, it's a beautiful poetic play. I'm you so got bluebirds in your head. What? Oh no. <laughs> I remember some of the lines, they're just so great. You know, he was such a you know, I would walk with him in the park, Central Park, it's five in the morning, neither one of us had had any sleep. God bless him. He couldn't sleep like a perfect, like a writer, a crazy yeah. writer. And I was so tired. I said, I'm so tired. You're tired. How can you be tired? He said, we're in Central Park. Some of your top birds are singing here now. <laughs> I, um, I mean, just everything out of his mouth, you know, yeah. he said a great thing to me. He said, um, you know, he said, you have to be really careful when you're a main witness. I said, what does that mean? And he said, well, I'm your main witness. That's why you can't get mad at me. I said, well, you know, somebody 30, 40 years, Brenda, they're a main witness. You know, they know everything about you. You've been through things together. You can say, hey, remember that time we ate those great tomatoes up on the roof and you had 50, you had 50 and I had 50. He said, no, there were a few missing of me. <laughs> he said, you, I had a few missing. You were eating mine. You know, he said, but memories, memories, it's all memories. He said, you don't have that many Wayne witnesses. Count them on your hands if you're lucky. Wow. You know, you can't, you can't give away a main witness. I'm your main witness, Brenda. I'm one of them. And it was true. It's a great thing to say about friendship. Okay. I've never heard anybody say something so, oh, so beautiful about what friends are. A main witness. Yeah. Yes. I love that. I'm going to steal that. Isn't that gorgeous? Mr. Gardner. You know? I'm sorry, I'm going to steal that. That's just great. Yeah. You're I'm, a main witness. Take care. Take care. And, and my father used to say to me, Brenda, you know what? If you can count five on your hands, you're lucky. Yeah. It's In your deathbed, if you got five, you can count. You're lucky. And Harold put it like, you got to have your main witnesses. Take care of them. Unless he commits murder, you can't get rid of a main witness. Yeah. <laughs> it's you so just got to forgive. It's so true. You know, I'm so curious. One of the things I'm, I'm loving about the stories you're telling is every time you were faced with a with a bit of uh, adversity or pushback, you said, no, that's not that's not the way it's going to go. Did anyone ever tell you like, hey, you know, tone it down. You're not going to work if, if you stand up to Mr. Abbott or you stand up to Mr. Everybody. Burke. Really? And well, yeah. and, and you chose not to follow their advice, obviously. I couldn't. I don't know what it was. Something come out of my mouth different. I just, you know, yeah. there were times too that I did, um, I, I did behave. <laughs> you know, I saw the logic in and the reason for it, you know. Um, and as I grew older, I realized, you know, how to negotiate my behavior better you know, and, and talk things out, reason things out if I could. I mean, but I was fighting my way, you know, and yeah. I had to do my thing my way, you know, and so, and I didn't want anybody manipulating me, you know, as some people can, you know, I remember Sidney Pollack said something to me, he said, you know, you take care of yourself and you always remember to do it your way. 
because your way is your way and it's very good. He said, so don't let anybody manipulate you. That's when I did waiting for lefty in the classroom for him. Wow. You know, everybody's having babies mm. during the war. And he talked about my performance and he said, don't let anybody get in your way. You know, so there were people who said things positive about it and other people that said, you know, agents, lawyers, PR, you know, those people that come along that want you to, you know, uh, mellow yeah. out about what you do and how Good. you do it, how you do it. So the two together, you know, and as you grow, you realize both sides are right. Yeah. Yeah. The ones that say do it your way and the others that say try to negotiate and, you know, all of it's right. All of it's right. And I've learned, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, if somebody says something that I think is wrong, I will gently say, I'd like to talk this over. I pull a Barry Levinson. <laughs> <laughs> I pull Barry Levinson on them, you know. It's it's a nice way to, to work. That's a nice way to create, I think, with that, with that sort of. And you, you have know. to learn and be grateful. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You yeah. can't. I always say I've learned something. You can't live in the past because you can't change it. Yeah. So yeah, live in the now and stand in the prep, you know, precipice of the future with hope and joy and love and just move forward. Right. You know, don't take anything from the past with you because you can't do nothing with it. True. It's you know, so, it's isn't it? So yeah. I, I maintain my joy. I maintain my spirit and I'm ready to learn when I don't look like I'm learning, you know, and somehow I've gotten. But I, I, I don't think I would have gotten where I was going. Do you know, if I didn't have the force of me, you know, Definitely. and some, yeah. yeah, if I was too allowed myself to be manipulated too much, you know, uh, and people want to manipulate you. They do. I'm sorry. They really do. You know, so, I mean, I've learned to have these discussions, you know, and it's important to do that, especially if you're working with important people, you can't just slough them off. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I don't look back with any... Unforgiveness. I don't look back with any anger or kind of. I'm sorry I did this. I'm sorry I did. I had to do what I had to do to go where I was going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and and I mean, and look at all the amazing. Don't you think so? Are... Don't you feel totally. that way about yourself? Even this podcast, you got to do it your own way. You, you have know? to. You have to. Exactly. You it's know, honest. And, yeah, I mean, if if you get to the end and you're on your deathbed and you go, "Wow, I lived someone else's life for them," it's mm-hmm. not. It's that's not fulfilling. It's not rewarding. That's right. You know, it's not, not who you are. Yeah, exa- exactly. Now, um, I wanted to ask you, if, if I may, you sure. last the last couple of uh, Broadway appearances you had were under the the, the, the brilliant writing of Neil Simon. What was I your know. what was your relationship like with, with him? And I, Gene Sachs directed both of those shows, correct? Yes, both of them. I love Gene Sachs. I thought he was great. And of course, he was Herb Gardner's, you know. He yeah. was in Thousand Clowns. Yeah. And so he was an actor. He had a sensitive part of him that was really kind of touching and sweet. And he would say mm. things like, well, no, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you to get there. <laughs> Don't worry. I know you're going to find it. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. You know, so it was very sweet. I, I love Gene. Yeah, Neil yeah. was tough. Neil would say things. If you can't say that line, I'll cut it. <laughs> And I'd say, no, 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 let me see. I'm working on it. I'm working on it, you know? And. uh, Right, right. Yeah. Um, He was all about laughs, you know, and timing. You know, he said, if you don't go fast, you know, he said, if you don't go fast, you give the audience time to think and they're not going to laugh. The minute you give somebody time to think, there's no laughter. Do you understand that? 
And I said, yeah, he said, pick up your pace because it's not working. You got to go much faster. Stop acting and just do the comedy. Oh, you know, that was the first act Stop of California that. when I did it. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. You know, and he's right because the minute an audience has time to think, Herb Gardner would say, if I, I know, A. Burrs would say, if I'm out in the lobby and I hear, I don't hear laughter, I know that, I know you ain't dancing. <laughs> you know, they <laughs> had ways of saying things about not getting laughs. That's, but Neil I, was right. The minute you give them time to think, well, they don't, they're not going to laugh. You got to take them off guard. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the laughter right. comes. Yeah. And that has to do with, you know, I think the rhythm, you know, the pace, you know, and, and getting how you feel and getting them all together in one package and boom, say it and keep going, you know, because Neil would sit in the uh, orchestra and he'd listen, he'd take his glasses off and rub his eyes with his hands. And one time I came out and I was going to the ladies room and he said, don't worry, I'm rewriting the scene. And I said, no, 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 it's me. It's my fault. He said, it's no, it's not your fault. I know whose fault it is, you know, oh. and I just walked on. Mm-hmm. I went on, you know. I just said, okay. And you know, at one time we, 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 when, it, when I did the one he did uh, with Alan Alda. Oh, Jake's women. Jake's women. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I'm walking behind him and Ray Stark and they're in the alley in North Carolina at some college theater. Cause he didn't want to do it out of town in a regular kind of theater, I guess. Uh, I don't know why we were there, but that's where we were. And Ray Stark produced all his films. And so he was walking. He had a script in his hand in a leather case. You know, those le- the, the binder. Yeah. And Ray is talking to him. And I'm about, I guess, 10 feet behind them. And I hear Ray saying, you know, I mean, it's a great play. Neil, you've got it. You nailed it. You got it. Everything's great. He said, you, you, you know, you just got to get that ending. You got to get an ending. You know, you don't have an ending and the script went up against the wall. And he said, don't you think if I could write a fucking ending, I would have written it. Oh. And I just, oh. Oh, oh, oh. oh, you know, sometimes a writer never finds the ending. And he never did in Jake's Women, by the way. Yeah. He never did. That that scene that he wrote out of town was the one he went with. Oh, so okay. I think he struggled with an ending. But you know how it is. It's like you've got the beginning, you've got the middle, and then what's the fucking ending? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And sometimes, and he was, he admitted it. I don't you think if I had the fucking ending, I would have written it. Yeah. And he threw his script. He's so frustrated by it. I love Neil Simon. I think he was really a genius. Absolutely. You know, I hated it when I know Sally Struthers had terrible time with him in Odd Couple. She was very funny the first day. The second day he came backstage in the dark. He said to her, what's wrong with you today? He said, you were so funny yesterday. Oh. You're not funny at all. Oh. So, I mean, oh. you know, he was, he had his way about him. Oy. That's, but, uh... Uh, but you can't, you know, I mean, he never took her out of the play. Sometimes he would say to me about playing Olive in the odd couple with Sal, he'd say, don't be so nice. She's not nice. Mm. I said, okay. All right. I gotcha. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he didn't like to be kissed on the cheek. He didn't like to be kissed alone. He was interesting. <laughs> interesting man. And but honey, were those plays great? I mean, the oh, lines wor- were, listen, worth it. Total, totally worth totally it. Totally worth every totally minute worth with it. him. He was so amazing. He was My so God. amazing. Now, Brenda, we would be. We I know it's a theater podcast, but we would be remiss from our listeners if we didn't ask you 
about your appearance on The Golden Girls, if you'd be <gasps> willing to talk about that, because it's... Uh, we're I talk- loved it. Great. Would you would you tell us a little bit about that experience? Because we were talking about the episode before we went on the air, and it's you know it's the episode right now is circulating so much amongst people because it's such a progressive episode. Uh, yeah. So you, I mean, you, I, I hope you know what a hero you are in uh, no in the community. You are in the in the yeah, <laughs> well, in the community. Nice. Absolutely, seriously. I have no idea of that. So Th- please, that should please. be kept a secret. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so please, no, no. So please tell but us a little bit about that. Yeah, what a yeah. gracious gentleman. Oh my, please. It's very sweet of you. Please darling. tell us a little bit about the episode. If you don't, can mind. you, can you say any word on, on the podcast? Yes, you any can. Word? Yes, you can. No matter how tough it is. <laughs> Filthy, dirty, whatever. We're here for you. Okay. Okay. All right. So I adore B. Arthur. She was one of my best friends. My sadness was when she drank too much, I couldn't be around her because she got me. <laughs> we, we, yes, but, you know, she was like one of the greatest actresses, one of the most honest people. And I would do, I just was so sad. It took me a long time to get over that she died. Uh, I was in heaven to go and do Golden Girls. I was such an honor. I couldn't have been happier. Uh, uh, she was by my side more than I, I really recognized until the show was over. Um, cause I was so busy trying to learn my lines and get, you know, uh, get acclimated there. They were all so brilliant. And every one of them had something to say to me backstage. She thinks she's the star. That's what's the mother. What was her name? <laughs> really? Oh, Sophia. Yeah. Sophia. Still get it. Yeah. She, said she thinks she's the star, but I know who the star really is. I know who the backbone is. You know, <laughs> she was adorable. And, uh, Rue McCallaghan was the only one that was really kind of gracious and sweet and goes, I just love to cook. I keep by myself and I just do my cooking, you know, and Betty White never said a word to me. And, but B didn't like her, see? And I really wasn't clear about that. I just came on and was doing my job. And B's the only one I knew because she was married to uh, the director of Jake's Women. Oh, Gene Sachs. Gene Sachs. Exactly. So, and Herb Gardner, were, or they were all friends. So I was like, I had met B and I knew her and so forth and so on. Anyway, so we're sitting on the couch and we're rehearsing. And of course, the director's up behind the glass, you know, in the theater. And, um, and so Betty White comes in with a tray of hors d'oeuvres. And she said to the director, as she walks in with the tray, she's holding it and she's moving as she's talking. I don't know whether to say the line and then put the tray down. Or put the tray down and then say the line. <laughs> and she's laughing to the glass. So I turn, rightfully so, to be Arthur and say, isn't she adorable? She's so cute. Isn't she sweet? And B slowly turns to me and says, biggest cunt in the business. And you're the only one that doesn't know it. Well, I fell off the couch. I literally put my head through between my legs and I started laughing. That's what I meant by that word. I hope nobody's. No, you're fine. Forgive me. But you can't do the joke. You can't do the line without that. You know, and I just fell apart like a $2 suit because I have never heard anything so funny in my life. And nobody, everybody knows it but you. (laughs) (laughs) And I just started to laugh. I mean, that was B. Arthur. She was the best. Yeah. She was the best. And yeah. how about that scene over the casket with her brother in it? Yeah. And how about when she said, when, when, when did she say, when she said, 
what, what was her name? The woman who played the mother. What was her name? Estelle Getty. The actress. Huh? Estelle oh. turns to her and said, how did he look? Oh, he looks good, Ma. He looks fine. What's he wearing? Well, he had on a teddy, Mom. But a very nice teddy. Remember, he was a cross dresser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could yeah. hold myself back. And I was biting my lip all the time because they were all so brilliant and funny. It's a, And look, the damn show's still on. Oh, yeah. It's- I'd like to do a whole new Golden Girls. You know what I mean? With some of these great actresses that are here. I mean, you know. Uh, some really great Diane Ladd, this with that. Yes, and look at yeah. all the girls, Stephanie Powers, boom, boom. There's Goldie Hawn. There's so many girls, you know, actresses that we could just all get together and do. Not exactly the same thing, but certainly a show with a bunch I, of women. I would pay to see that. I'd give you all the money in the world to see you. Do yeah, that, I know. Please. Like living in a rooming house, like the 1930s. But <laughs> Oh, I love but that you know, idea. The, look at the success of that show. It's so phenomenal. Yeah. People love it. It's still on the air. It's people love it. People just absolutely love it. And you're, I know. And, and you're, and you're such a, yeah, I wanted to make sure. Cause we were told a couple of listeners, we were interviewing you and they wanted to say how much your performance on that has, has meant to them over the years. Oh, how nice. I'm yeah. so happy to hear yeah. it. Just know and tell them. And if you can hear me, my darling friends, I was so in awe of everybody's presence that I was in. I mean, I really was. Uh, it, it took it took a lot for me to not just, you know, <laughs> cry over everybody. Rue McCallaghan. Everybody was brilliant, yeah. including Betty White. Yeah. Including yeah. Betty White. <laughs> and and Miss B. Arthur, who I was, listen, yeah. they put me up for an Emmy for that, you know. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think I deserved it, but I was so good. I was so overwhelmed and so honored. And uh, I just, to know that I had laugh after laugh after laugh. I really did. And I had the greatest time in my life in that show. There wasn't one dreary moment. And God knows you can do some of those shows and go on them and can't wait till the last day. Yeah. (laughs) I got to get out of here. Is this the fifth day? Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. There's some things that you do. You got, you take the the sweat off your brow and go, I got through that one. Yeah. You know, not everything is fun, but that one was, yeah. No. Yeah. I love Ted Danson and Becker, you know, I really had a good time in most of the things. It's wonderful to be an actress and it's wonderful to have the history of doing so many different things. And I look back with joy, joy. I had so much fun. I just hope it carries on. Sometimes when you get this age, you can't get a job, no matter if you crawl for one. (laughs) And listen, when we when we get back from this quarantine, you you will be working the way you always work. You have you been think so, honey. Oh, from absolutely. Your mouth to God's ears, as please. my mother used to say. Absolutely. Um, I, I can't. Kevin and I both. We can't even begin to tell you how much we appreciate all the time you took with us today. To, honey, I had such a ball. Good. I I'm love so. You both. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. You're happy. And once quarantine is over, please, we'd love to take you out to dinner to say thank oh, you. Would for, you. Would you call me? You promise yes, you'll call. Yes. Yes. I'd love the, to do it. Okay, sweetheart. Thank you bye, so Brenda. much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And a big thanks to the punchy players, Jeff Marquis, who is bringing back Lucy, Betty, Judy, and Morda shill for us. And a big thanks to our sound editor, Daniel Schwartzberg, and social media manager, Bethany Ann Selecki. 
And don't forget, we want more folks to hear these incredible stories, and that's where you come in. In order for people to find out about us, we need lots of ratings on iTunes. So head on over to iTunes, search for Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends, click on our logo, click on ratings and reviews, then write a review and leave us five stars and make us feel as special as Eliza Doolittle on Eliza Doolittle Day. Or you can leave us just one star and you can make us feel as baddie, baddie, bad as Annie did in that really weird production in Boston where Annie dreamt that she was being adopted, but then she ended up back in the orphanage, right back where she started. Yeah, true story. Rob saw it. Yes, and it was batty. It was bizarre. I was there. I was. Oh, God. So head on over to iTunes and make us feel even more special than we already do. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.